Well, if we've not had the chance to meet, my name is Kurt. I serve as one of the pastors here at the Vineyard, and um, we are just honored that you are with us today. It is Palm Sunday, and we've been in a series of conversations called Living Water, looking at how God gives us rhythms for our life so that we live spiritually hydrated as opposed to spiritually dehydrated. Anybody ever been dehydrated before? It's not good, apparently. Uh, the, the rumors on the street are is it, it's deadly, actually, and I think that's true of our faith. If we go too long without hydrating our faith, our faith can get dehydrated. See, you're with me. This is just, it, the, it's good. It can get dehydrated. And so what we see in Scripture and we see in the life of Jesus is that Jesus had these rhythms and these practices where he was hydrating his life with the Holy Spirit. He was getting very connected to the living God, to God the Father. He would sneak away in prayer, and he would participate in ministry, and he shared his life in community. And there were these rhythms kind of day in and day out where the living God was pouring into him. And then he offers us a promise where he says, if you knew who I was, I would give you living water. And we want to take him up on that. We want to join in the story that God is writing here and now in this day and time in your own life and for this city and for the cities that we live in. And today we're going to kind of wrap up this series of talks looking at one that I think will be challenging for us all, which is generous sacrifice. Generous sacrifice. And I'm going to come back to this, and this is going to be where we're hanging out today. Uh, but let me just give you kind of, uh, if this happens to be your first week with us or just to catch you up, maybe you haven't had a chance to hear all of the amazing messages from our preaching team. You can always catch them on our podcast. But here are the themes that we've been kind of tackling together as a community. That in God's kingdom, and God's kingdom is anywhere he has authority, his rule and his reign, is that we're invited to practices that embody principles. Practices that embody principles. And it's things like this. Humility. Humility. In this day and time, I said this in week one, I think the church, followers of Jesus, need to be marked more by humility than we have in recent decades. Availability. This idea that when we get time away in solitude with God or we get quiet in God's presence and silence ourselves, this practice of silence and solitude, what we are doing is we're making ourselves available to God, to resource us for our life. Adoration, this idea of worship, that the word of God is in us and it gives us identity and we give our love back to God. Practices of worshiping God for who God is. And then here's our favorite, dependence. Oh, good. I think this is, this is a good sign. We're <laughs> No, well, we have to like depend on God. We actually have to like lean the weight of our life onto God and depend on God that we are actually not called to live independent lives. And not just that we depend on God, but that we depend on one another and experience this journey of community and family. And as Alan shared last week, we're all called to rhythms of service. See, I need to hydrate. We do too in our lives. But that when we serve others, we're actually joining the story of God, which means it's not just something for you to keep and become so spiritually hydrated that you just keep it to yourself. That's actually like antithetical to the gospel. That is against what the good news of Jesus says. Everything good that God gives us should lead us to the love 
of those around us and to the service of those around us. And Jesus said that the greatest among you is the one who will be a servant. Pete Gregg, in his book, How to Pray, A Guide for Normal People, like me, says that desire without discipline dissipates. And what he's saying is you might experience at some point in your life this desire for God, but your desire for God alone will not be enough. Just like any good fire, you have to keep putting logs on that fire. You have to tend the fire. You have to stoke the fire. It needs oxygen. It needs to breathe so it can continue to have fuel. We need discipline in our lives, which are practices and rhythms of connecting with God so that our desire for God continues to grow. Philip Sheldrake, in the book um, Befriending Our Desires, says this, our most authentic desires spring ultimately, spring ultimately from the deep inner wells where the longing for God runs freely. I don't know where you are exactly at this moment on your faith journey. Maybe you are just kind of exploring faith for the first time. You're kind of considering God. Are you there? Maybe you've been around church and, and this idea of faith in Jesus is now decades kind of for you. But here's what I would say. The invitation of God is one that allows us to live and love more freely. And it's not according to our way or our will, but according to God's way. That we are most free when we connect to those deep places inside of us that say, God, I long for you. That we would be free. And here's some good news from Rich Volotis, who pastors a church in New York and is an author of many books, uh, This is from his Instagram uh, account, one of the accounts I follow. But here's the good news, church. God already loves you. God loves you. His choice, his life, his heart, his mind, his revelation in Jesus and his outpouring of the Spirit, he has already decided it's not up for grabs. God loves you. God loves you, and Rich puts it so eloquently, I just would rather quote him than try to come up with something better. He says, no spiritual discipline can make God love you. It's too late for that. God already loves you. But spiritual disciplines help us to live in God's love and offer it to others. To actually live in God's love and offer it to others. And he goes on to say that spiritual disciplines are intentional practices, meaning you're choosing to work at it, to get active, that open us up to God's grace and train us to love well. The disciplines don't save us. Christ does that. But they anchor us in God. It's connection. It's relationship. It's walking with God. It's experiencing God's voice for your life, for your heart, for your mind, for your work, for your relationships being anchored in the love of God so that we're generous with the love of God around us to others. It's as if Jesus summed it up well when he said, this is the ultimate goal for your life, that you would love God with all that you are, heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love those around us. It's the ultimate goal. That's why we would do anything of spiritual practice, of reading scripture, of prayer, of communion, of worship, 
of serving others. It's so that we can join in the love of God for us and for those around us. You know, it's interesting, this is Palm Sunday, which is a day that the church looks to the life of Jesus and the work of Jesus in a generous sacrifice. That it's the Sunday that he fulfills the Old Testament prophecies that the king, the one who would save, would ride into town on a colt. And this is in uh, Luke 19, and it also references some Old Testament texts, but this is uniting our lives with the story of Jesus. Palm Sunday is about uniting our lives and the story of our life with the story of Jesus, that he generously and sacrificially gave his life for us. I have yet to do that the way Jesus did that. How about for you? Do you think that if we look at Jesus and you compare yourself to Jesus, that maybe Jesus has lived out a little bit beyond you and is calling you to more? Maybe. It's possible. In Luke 19, this is how it plays out. For those of you who don't know, this is a printed book. <laughs> they still exist. It says, after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. <laughs> Sounds simple enough. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? It's as if Jesus knew that was going to happen. They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. What's interesting is they are echoing God's heart and this truth that this promise God was going to fulfill out of Psalm 118. See, when we begin to have rhythms of connecting ourselves with the living God and understanding Scripture and just beginning to hear the voice of Jesus say, hey, go to this place and do this thing that I've asked of you and we faithfully walk it out, we get to join in the story of God. We get to be a part of what God is doing, not only transforming our lives, but writing this story and this work of God's kingdom that we have now all been invited to. I was not at the Mount of Olives, but what happened at the Mount of Olives and the faithfulness of the early church and the faithfulness of the early disciples has shaped a faith that invites me in, that is inviting us in today because faith is a journey of following Jesus. Faith is a journey of following Jesus so that in all things, in some things, in all things, our life is transformed to look like Jesus. 
And here's what's really hard about what I just said. I think he did mean all things. <laughs> Man, I think that's hard, right? It's, it's, it feels almost impossible. Is all of your life transformed to be like Jesus yet? Not all of mine. This is hard. And this is why today we're going to talk about sacrifice because what we see in Jesus is this. They wanted Jesus to ride in and wreck shop and use all of his power and authority to make all things right in the worldly sense of power structures. And he comes and he says, the way of my kingdom is power is sacrifice. That we take all the power that we have, influence, resources, decision-making, that we were made in the image of God, but when we look at Jesus, Jesus says, I will use my power to lay my life down, to sacrifice all of me for you, all of me for all of you. When we look at Jesus and we say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and we say, I want to follow you, Jesus, what we're saying is, I will lay my entire life down at your feet as worship, and I will say, you are Lord. When people look at my life, I would love for them to say, Kurt, Jesus has asked for your life, and I would go, why? And they go, the Lord needs it. That all of my life would be responsive to the voice of Jesus and the work of God, because that's what Jesus did. And here's what we know. If you hang with us this week, it's Holy Week, if you'll just hang in there with us, we're going to have a communion service on Thursday right here. We would love for you to be here. And then we get to Good Friday, which we see that when Jesus, in all of his power and authority, generously sacrifices his life, he's crucified. And he says, follow me in that journey. And follow me in the journey of all the way to death so you can see me work resurrection life. And he doesn't hold back. And this is the good news of Jesus. Generosity is sacrifice. This is the thought for today. Generosity is sacrifice. It will cost us to be generous. To live generously means you will give up what, what's yours for the benefit of others. And I want you to think about this for a second. Do you think the generous sacrifice of Jesus cost him? Yeah, it did. And here's what I think is challenging in our culture today, and I'm just going to tell you, I'm coming right into everybody's business today. <laughs> With a smile, I promise, my heart is soft and kind towards you. But what this means is we are willing to hear the voice of God speak to us, and we should look different than our culture. We should look different than people who do it in their own strength and power. We should understand that generosity is sacrifice. That this is a work of God and the kingdom of God calls us beyond what's comfortable and what's within our control. If you are still in control and you're still managing every decision and you're doing what's comfortable because it's not stretching you, it's not calling you out beyond what's within your own strength and power, you are not yet on the edge of dependence where God says, are you willing to give that up to? Are you willing to sacrifice this thing? Are you willing to walk into a town and look for a colt and just say, the Lord needs it? Nice to meet you. My name's Kurt. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm grabbing the colt and I'm running. I don't know. 
See, the work of God is calling us to greater dependence on him, greater humility, so it's not in our control, it's not in our strength, it's not in our power, but it's a story beyond ourselves. And we go, look at what God did. Look at what God did. So I want you to turn with me to 2 Corinthians. We're going to be in chapter 9, so 2 Corinthians is a book in the New Testament, so if you kind of get to the back half of your Bible... And then it's broken up in chapters. We're going to be in chapter 9, starting in verse 6. It'll be on the screen behind me. This is what it says. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all, there it is, all things at all times having that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the har- harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Jesus Christ and for your generosity and sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Church, as we talk about generosity as sacrifice and as we look at this encouragement from the early church, the church at Corinth and see the heart that God was growing in them and working in them, what I want us to do is first anchor us in this. While today I might talk some about money, it is actually about kingdom principles and practices. Kingdom principles and practices. This is about God's kingdom. He has authority, and we begin to learn how to listen to God's voice and walk in his ways. That my life would look more like God's kingdom. We pray for God's kingdom to come, for his will to be done, that this would be practiced in my daily life, and that would be said of all of us together. It's an invitation. The first thing we need to see is that this is an invitation to us. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. There is a kingdom principle at work that we want to apply to all of our lives. When I'm generous with relationships, guess what I have? I have a generosity of people working back towards me. When I'm stingy with my time to serve others, I will probably reap in return the way I have sown. So we need to understand that what, while Jesus and while the early church is talking about money, if you look at the Gospels, Jesus talked a lot about money, but it was often in the context of kingdom principles and practices. We need to anchor our lives in the kingdom principles we see in Scripture and in Jesus. This is the Word of God, and Jesus says that He was the Word made known in the flesh. So we want all of our lives to move towards Jesus and to get aligned with Scripture. 
Verse 7 says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart. In your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Here's what I want you to know. Here at the vineyard, this is our posture. This is our heart. It's not under compulsion. We're not making you do anything as a result of this. What I am asking us today is, is God inviting us to express the generous sacrifice that we see in the church, that we see in God's kingdom. And have you worked this out in your faith journey with Jesus? Have you begun to ask Jesus, what do you want to say to me? Where does my heart need to get open to your heart? Where does my heart need to align with your heart? Not under compulsion, but so that when I give, I give freely and I give cheerfully. See, generosity is a heart issue, not a money issue. Generosity is a heart issue. It's not a money issue. It's actually not that you have enough money to give. It's that you have a heart to give out of what money you actually have. It's a posture of life. It's a posture of depending on God. It's a posture of saying, God, what I have is yours. My heart is wide open to you. Speak to me. Lead me and guide me. The church is anchoring itself in becoming a community that's hearts are soft towards God. This was one of the journeys of the Old Testament. Regularly, the accusation of the people of God is that their hearts were hard. Their hearts were hard. They disobeyed God. They turned away from God. Their hearts were hard towards God. And he's just saying, listen, it's a heart issue. Allow your heart to be soft in my presence. And then let's see what God wants to do. It's kingdom principles and practices that invite us to kingdom cause and community. Here's some of the things we're bumping up against. I'm just going to be honest. In the culture that we live in, we happen to live in the great state of Texas. I learned in March that, uh, well, actually, that doesn't apply. Texas is great. That's all I have to say. Except sometimes you have to filter thoughts that come. God is at work in Texas, in the cities that we live, there is actually a kingdom cause that has been running longer than we were here and will run for eternity. And that is not an independent cause. The culture that we live in is often cultivating consumerism and independence. Get as much as you can to, to build the life that's only about you, and your faith life is sort of the same thing. It's very much your own disconnected from a community, disconnected from people, just do your own thing, have your own way, you can be rich and famous. That is the, the sort of the air that's pushing at us all the time. How many followers do you have on social media? How many square feet is your house? How many cars do you have? Do you have a vacation home? Did you get to go on vacation this year? I got to go on fill in the blank. It's consumerism and it's pushing you towards these edges and we have to understand that that needs to bow to King Jesus. And it's always calling us into a community. Because in a community, I can be cared for when I don't have all that I need because there's a generous community making resources available to say, We're, we are with you. We're caring for the poor among us in our city. We're caring for one another. We're caring for the generations. We are joining King Jesus in the work that he's doing, and we are not going to hold that to ourselves, but we're going to get on board to love God and love others. And it really is a heart issue. It's a heart issue. 
that calls us into a cause and a community. We are invited to join the cause of Christ and be a part of a community. It says, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Abound in good works. Like, this isn't like I did my good work for the day. This is my life is abounding in all the good works at all times, in all seasons, with all people, because the kingdom of God is generous, and yes, it's sacrifice. To love our neighbors, and to love our enemies, and to serve the poor, and to serve the rich, and to serve the cause of Christ, which is you are loved. See, it was the good news of the gospel that sprung all the generosity out of the church of Corinth. It was the good news of Jesus that allowed them to respond with what they had. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. So what's interesting is if we're going to practice this, if we're going to practice this, we have to make intentional choices in the way we live our life. First, we have to find Jesus as the authority of our stuff. Financial generosity requires sacrifice. So here, I want to be really clear today. If you give, if, if you give money to the Vineyard Church Pearland, do you know what that means? You have less money in your account. It's true. When you give money to gringos for queso, yes, for fajitas, yes, you have less money in your account. See, the thing that's interesting about generosity is when we start to let it go, and I want to be really clear, you are actually sacrificing what you had as yours, and you now have less of it. And everybody lives this way. Everybody lives this way in our culture with the economy we have. We get money and we give it away. And we get money and we give it away. And so what I'm asking us churches, will we begin to say, God, I want what I'm doing to be oriented to you, for you, and through you in all of my life? That we would have a God-oriented way of relating to our stuff. Because the other thing that happens is when you give money, like if you happen to give money to a nonprofit, if you happen to give money to a local church, the other thing you're sacrificing is control of that money. You sacrifice the resources, you sacrifice the control. Are you okay with that? This is why it's a heart issue. This is why it's a heart issue. See, actual generosity is not about what's comfortable, but it's a radical expression of trust. God, I trust you that if I give away what I have, you will care for me. And sacrifice that if I give away what I have to causes that you are in, that I'm a part of your story, that I'm okay to have less because this community that I'm supporting, this community that I'm blessing, this community that I'm joining with has additional resources to meet the needs of a broader community. This is what Paul is writing to us in the Corinthians. He's saying, hey, get in on this. And what it'll do is it'll begin to tell a story that the community will see and they will bless God and they will begin to praise God for his grace and for his goodness and they will go, look at how that community cares for others. 
And so I'm going to use a very churchy word. If you've not been around church, this might be new to you, but if you've been around church at any time and heard money talked about, then you've asked the question, do we really have to tithe? Like, is that, like, required? And you might be sitting going, what is a tithe? (laughs) A tithe is a tenth. If you read in the Old Testament, the people of God came into relationship and they walked with God and they gave a tenth. They gave a tenth of a lot of things. They measured it out and they were very careful. And they just practiced this rhythm of a community of giving a tithe, giving one-tenth of the stuff God had given them back to God. If you want to go read on it, Malachi 3 is an interesting text to go check out and read about. It's an Old Testament book where we see God calling his people to return. He says, return to me. Return to me. Return to me because you've been robbing me of my ties. You have been doing your own thing, going your own way. And here's what I would encourage us with, and I think we just all need to feel the challenge of this today. At least I will. And let me, let me be really honest. There are a few topics that feel really hard to talk about in church, and money is one of them because people have abused the power and the authority of this stage and this microphone to create this space that says if you give money, then you get And I just think, again, the call is to sacrifice. Like, I don't, I'm not promising, like, it's not like a a get-rich-quick scheme. It is learning how to live the fullness of our life under the authority of of Jesus. And what we see in Malachi is it says the money was telling part of the story. The money was telling part of the story, and God was saying, return to me. Your hearts have distanced from me. You're not trusting me with the generosity of the tithe. And so what we say here at the Vineyard is, I think we learn how to do that. We grow into that, but we've got to start somewhere. But we don't want to be religious and be stopped by a, I did the tithe and I'm done, because my heart can get real hard towards the tithe. My heart can be completely distanced from God. I come in and go, I gave my 10% and I hated every bit of it. God says he loves a cheerful giver. He loves those who freely exercise the generous sacrifice of Jesus. So how would you do this? My wife Lauren and I had the privilege to learn from somebody who is very skilled, had given their life to kind of train under how some financial um, wisdom, and this is the way he broke it down for us. And here's a framework for you. If you have are going to grow in your generosity. You're going to have to grow in your budgeting and your practical skills of managing your money. Okay? And here are the four words. Owe, grow, live, give. He said all of our money is kind of summed up in these four categories. If we have any debt, we owe. And they come take it first. (laughs) Or they'll come take the boat. Okay? So if you... Whatever the money is you have, if you owe money, and and Proverbs speaks to this, there's wisdom in Scripture that says the borrower is slave to the lender. Owe. And then there's the grow category. That would be anything of savings or investments. You are working to see your money grow. So you're kind of stocking it away so that it's there for a rainy day maybe. Live. 
This is where a lot of us are feeling the hurt because it is expensive at the gas pump. It's expensive at the grocery store. It's expensive to do the things that this life of ours requires. And what often happens is that fourth category, give, gets squeezed to the edge. It just does. So I would encourage you this week or this month just to like take a glance Take an assessment of where you are and think about those four categories. Because the other thing that he said to us is there's no independent financial decisions. If I give money to gringos, I have what in my account? Less money. And if I'm not careful and I give to gringos, then I owe Capital One. So don't trick ourselves. It's still connected. It's still all there. Owe, grow, live, give. How are we prioritizing our generosity? How are we prioritizing the, the authority of Jesus, the wisdom of God in Scripture, and being a part of a community in our financial approach? I think to be as generous as our hearts would long to be, we've got to dial in, and it will require sacrifice. Because again, if I give money generously to the church, that means I have less money. I have less money at the end of the year. You might not know this, the average household income in Pearland is like $104,000. That means a tithe to a local church family is $10,000. That would be a sweet vacation. For a local church where every penny we steward in our budget is because of your generosity, a tithe makes a huge impact on what a local church can say yes to or not. And it makes a huge impact on what you're saying yes to or not. I'm just, I'm just trying to be transparent and honest and clear. This is challenging. And it will cost us. And it might be really uncomfortable. And you might be less uncomfortable than I am today as I think about you being here today, going, great, he's talking to me about my money. But you know what? God loves you. And you should be free in your heart. And because of the generosity of this community, there is place and space for you to be here and to be in a season where you're growing in this and you're not sure. Because people are providing generously. God is meeting the needs of this community so we can then be generous beyond. Jesus is not after our money. He's after our heart because he loves us. He wants you. He wants you. Psalm 50, check it out. It is amazing. Basically, God just looks at us and goes, I created it all. The hills are mine. The cattle on a thousand hills are mine. I don't need your sacrifices. I'm good. I don't need your money. I'm good. I spoke it all into being. I love you. I can handle this. But he's saying, come be a part of it with me. Because Jesus wants us and he knows that in our humble and generous sacrifice, our hearts are his. He knows that the kingdom principle and practice is that when we start to rhythm our lives in humility and generous sacrifice, he just looks at you and goes, oh, I love your heart posture towards me. Let's walk together. Let's dream together. Let's do big things together as a community. Let's do some things together that it would take all of us saying yes to that not one of us could do by ourselves. So how do we mature in generosity? How do we mature? The first thing I think we have to do is ask God. Listen, I cannot be the authority 
in this for you. God needs to be the authority in this for you. This is about walking this out with him. Okay? Ask God, open your heart, begin, and then grow. So ask God what he would like for you to do. Begin to open your heart and your resources to be responsive to what God's doing. Take your first step. Take your next step. If you've gotten to a place you're comfortable and you've got it grooved, say, God, do you have more that you want to do in and through me? And then grow. Here's another way we talk about it. Overflowing sacrifice equals overflowing generosity. If you have never given, if you want to participate in this and you've never given to like a local church, or if, you know what, if you're going, hey, look, this feels manipulative, give to some other church. Give to, a church, give to an organization that's like doing really good stuff in the name of Jesus. I would love for you to give here. I give here. But if you've never given, we just say give a first time. If you've given once, begin to learn how to give with a regular rhythm. God, we're trying to prioritize you in our giving. If you've kind of gotten a regular giving, then you ask God, do you actually want me to tithe? You begin to give proportionally. And then we just go, God, do you want to do even more? Like, what's the more you want to do? Have you ever heard that story of that really rich person who gave away 90% of their stuff and only lived on 10? You go, I wish I had that much money. I wish I could do that. It's a heart posture. You can. You can begin to live the generous heart that God's put in you. Because it's not about the amount. It's about the faithfulness and walking with God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Here's how we're doing this as a community, because here's what I want to be really clear on. I'm not asking you to do something that I'm not wrestling with myself. I'm not asking us to do something that God's not calling us to. But I do want to say our church community and our church budget is going to try to walk step for step with you in this way. And here's what I mean. Here's what it looks like to be a community of generous sacrifice. During Lent, we participated in, in a thing called 10 Days with Living Water International. And we invited our church family to take 10 days to drink water at your meals. And the money you would have spent on sodas or sweet tea, coffee, lattes, whatever, to just hold that money back and give over and above, and we're going to give all that money to Living Water International to help drill clean drinking waters to address the water crisis that's around the globe. What I know is whatever Lauren and I and our family give would do whatever amount. But when our family joins with 100 families who respond, the impact of generosity is always more together than it is individually. Always. That's what it looks like to be a community. And here's what I will tell you. All that money that's given to the 10-day campaign is leaving our account to go to Living Water International. What does that mean? We have less. So that Living Water International and children and moms and dads and families around the globe can have something I take for granted every day. Here's the next thing we're doing as a local church, starting tomorrow. The week of Holy Week, every dollar that comes in, we are going to give out to other ministries. It's called our Live Generously campaign. This is the second Easter week we've done this. And if you have never participated financially with a local church, this would be a great time to begin to take a step of practice and faith, because what we will tell you is we together are going to bless 
ministries outside of this building that are serving our city, that are serving the globe, that are serving children, that are serving the poor, because we believe God's not just calling you to this kind of way so that our church account can grow, but God's calling our church to this so that we can be a blessing to other people. Let's stand together. There was a couple leaders praying before this service, and uh, one of them was just asking God, God, what's your heart and what's your mind for today? And he was just listening quietly. I don't believe he knew what I was going to be preaching on, and he said this, I think God just wants to pour out his blessing on people. And I went, well, isn't that something? Here's what I'm preaching on. And so here's what I want you to know. Everything about a generous sacrifice is not your own strength. It's not your own power. It's not guilt. It's not shame. It is the work of God in you and through you. And so what I want to do is we're going to pray a prayer of blessing. And I'm going to kind of leave you with tension of what do you do with this? What do you do with this? You are welcome to be a part of this community and and not participate financially. Because there are people who are participating financially that make this possible for us to hold space for one another. But maybe God's speaking to you today, and I don't want to let you off the hook. And so what we're going to do is just a minute, we're going to have prayer ministry teams available to pray for anything going on. Do you need healing? Do you need hope? Do you need a job? Do you need finances so that you can respond with generosity? Do you need forgiveness? Do you want to begin a relationship with Jesus? But for all of us, I'm going to pray that the blessing of God gets poured out on you so that you would know God is near, that you would know God loves you, and you would know that he's interested in every detail of your life. So God, we thank you for today. I just acknowledge that there is a significant reality in me that says this is challenging. And yet, your ways are higher than my ways. Your ways are beyond my ways. And so we want to we just make ourselves open to you, God. Would you pour out your blessing? Would you, would you just saturate hearts today with the blessing of your love, with the blessing of your relationship, and the confidence that you care for us, that you want to come near to us, that you want to meet every need? I pray that as we think about what it looks like to participate in generous sacrifice, we would anchor ourselves in that part of Scripture that says, you meet every need, you supply everything we need for every season so that we can abound in every good work. And so we bless your church to know you, to trust you, and to experience your provision for everything that is needed. Show us how to be a generous people, trusting you to generously provide. God, we bless them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.